It's Easter Sunday, a day we celebrate life triumphing over death, hope over hopelessness, and victory over darkness. You know, the message of Easter is good news, definitely something we could use these days. The Easter message declares to everybody that'll hear it that there is hope, hope for today, hope for tomorrow, and for eternity. Now, when I say the word hope, I'm not using the standard definition of the desire for good. I'm using the Christian definition. It's a little different. The Christian definition takes it from a desire for good to a certainty of good. How can we do that? Easter. Easter assures it's a certainty of good to come. Kind of like a story I came across this week. A man was walking and spotted a, a Little League baseball game. He saw one of the players on the sideline, so we asked him, what's the score? The little boy responded, 18 to nothing, we're behind. Oh my, said the man, that's discouraging. The little boy looked at the man with a confident smile and said, we haven't got up to bat yet. Isn't that great? If you go back to the Friday morning before the first Easter, it sure looked discouraging. Jesus had been arrested, taken through multiple trials in the wee hours of the morning. None of them went well. The last trial, an angry crowd influenced the governor, Pilate. You know, it was a holiday in Jerusalem, Passover. He didn't want to riot. So under pressure, he sentenced Jesus, who he himself admitted had done nothing wrong, to crucifixion, the death sentence. By 9 a.m., a beaten, bloody body had been crucified to the cross. Above his head are the charges, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. If that were the end, no one would blame the disciples for running away from his arrest. If that were the end, we wouldn't condemn Peter for denying that he even knew Jesus. If that were the end, no one would blame Jesus' followers for not all being there when he was crucified because no one wants to be associated with a self-professing Messiah that's sentenced to death. But that's not the end. From noon to 3 p.m. as Jesus hung there, something strange happened. Darkness fell across the land. During that time, Jesus yells out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is in the process of taking the punishment of our sin in our place. At 3 p.m., the darkness lifts and Jesus yells, It is finished! Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he dies. And at that very moment, the earth begins to shake. Inside the walls of Jerusalem, in the temple, the curtain that separates the Holy of Holies from the holy place tears in two. God is declaring, you no longer need priests, altars, and sacrifices anymore. A right relationship with me is trusting in the sacrifice of my son. See, God is holy, so he must punish sin. We're sinners, so we must be punished. Jesus, who is sinless, took on our punishment so that we wouldn't have to. But we must accept it. We must believe in him to the point of trusting who Jesus is, what he did, and trust with our lives. After the soldiers ensure that Jesus is dead, his body is taken down and buried in a borrowed tomb. 
The religious leaders request from Pilate, the governor, that he seal the tomb with a Roman seal and put soldiers on guard. They don't want the body of Jesus going missing, confusing whether he's alive or dead. That horrible Friday finally came to an end. The Sabbath came and went, and then came the next day, the third day. The disciples and other followers of Jesus are discouraged. But if I could borrow from that little league story, Jesus hadn't got up to bat yet. If you would, please, open with me to Matthew chapter 28. You can also open your smartphone there. You have a Bible app on that. Open up and follow with this. Matthew 28 will begin with verse 1. After the Sabbath at dawn, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell the disciples. So we have two women, Mary Magdalene and another Mary, and they arrive at the tomb where Jesus' body rests. When they arrive, there's an earthquake. To earth. Uh, angels, rather, appeared, and the tomb is not only unsealed, but the stone is rolled back. Now, Jesus told his disciples on four different occasions that he would die and raise again, but they didn't get it. They probably thought he was teaching a spiritual truth and wasn't being literal. And with Jesus' arrest, his flogging, his crucifixion, they weren't going to remember it anyway. But what he said on those four occasions has come true. The Roman seal is broken. The tomb is opened right in front of these women. The resurrection of Jesus is being declared. Just imagine if you were there. This is huge. Now, we celebrate Easter every year. Jesus' resurrection isn't new to us. In fact, inside we probably say, yeah, yeah, Jesus arose. But it's so important that we never underestimate the resurrection. It secures the certainty of good to come, our hope. Our hope is established by the resurrection. Jesus' resurrection proves that he is who he said he was. The Son of God, our Savior, the Messiah. Number two, it proves Jesus' message is true, that God so loved the world that he sent a rescuer to rescue us from sin, death, and hell. Number three, it proves our future resurrection. The Bible says that Jesus is the first fruit of resurrection. We're next. His resurrection proves our resurrection will happen. Number four, it proves a future judgment for all who don't believe in Jesus. Ooh, that one's serious. In Acts chapter 17, verse 31 says, Because he, God, has appointed a day that he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed, he has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. So everyone needs to believe, so everyone can have hope. Jesus' resurrection gives us hope, 
a certainty of good to come when we believe. And that hope is what gets us through this coronavirus culture with all of its effects. Listen, staying in place orders, businesses shut down, the stock market craziness, the loss of jobs and a virus that's spreading across the world. It's scary. It's discouraging. It can sap the life right out of us. We need hope. We need certainty of good to come. We need to know that God is in control, that he is on the throne, that he has a plan for us. And you know what? The resurrection proves he's in control, is on the throne, and has a plan for us. Don't underestimate the power of the resurrection. We have hope. The resurrection proves it. Back to Matthew 28. Early Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they arrive at the grave, and the earthquake hits. The two angels, one rolls away the stone. Now realize, the stone wasn't rolled away for Jesus to get out. It was rolled away so they could get in and see that Jesus wasn't there. In verse 6, one of the angels says, He is not here. He is risen. Come and see. And sure enough, the tomb's empty. Verse 8 says, they were afraid, but filled with joy. A few days earlier was the worst day of their life. And now what's happening? They're filled with joy. The resurrection hope. Hope is born. It's a certainty of good, and it changes everything, doesn't it? It changes their emotions, changes their feelings. It brings meaning and purpose back to their life. It empowers them to live again. And guess what? Hope does the same thing for us. When Mary and Mary see what's happening, depression, discouragement, it evaporates. Oh, we need to see the resurrection with fresh eyes. Yeah, I know Jesus rose. Huh. No, no, no. See it for what it truly is, that it's life-changing. And we know that because number one, it was life-changing for the disciples. In Mark 14:50, when Jesus was arrested, it says, everyone deserted and fled. Three times, Peter denied they even knew Jesus. And when Jesus died, the disciples saw their hopes and dreams die with him. What did they do? They locked themselves behind closed doors. But in a few days, with the resurrection, everything changes. They go from being fearful to being fearless. They left their locked rooms. They shared the good news of Jesus' resurrection at the temple. What else could account for such change? And you know what? It lasted the rest of their lives. All but John gave their life for the cause of Christ. Why? Because Jesus' resurrection changed everything. For us, it means we can be rescued from sin, death, and hell. It means we can be restored to a right relationship with God. Now, some people say, come on, you know? The disciples had some kind of hallucination thinking Jesus was alive. If they had a hallucination and they knew that Jesus really didn't raise from the grave, if they knew that, why would they give their lives for it? People don't die for what they know is a lie. They witnessed Jesus being alive multiple times, and it changed them. And as we look at this with fresh eyes, it fills us with hope. It changes us. 
This goes beyond the disciples. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 through 8, it says, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Some say when they hear that, obviously the disciples were confused. Well, if that were the case, how do 500 people all at once get confused? The truth is, when a dead man comes back to life and you see him, it affects you. Now, some will say, just because somebody wrote that 500 people saw Jesus at once, it doesn't mean that it happened. Good point, actually. Who was it that wrote this? It's the Apostle Paul. So, you have the disciples whose lives were changed. You have a whole crowd of 500 plus who saw Jesus at once, and now we have the Apostle Paul. He was a persecutor who became a preacher. Paul was imprisoning Christians. He was a rising star in Judaism. He fought against Christianity. And then one day, the resurrected Jesus came and paid him a visit. And all of a sudden, all the years of training to be a Pharisee, out the window. Paul is now preaching that Jesus is alive. Not only is his old career gone, but because of his preaching, he's beaten, he's left for dead, he's put in prison again and again. In 1 Corinthians 15, 14, he says this, If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. He, too, ended up giving his life for what he knew was true. The disciples saw Jesus raised, and it changed them. You have over 500 who saw him at once. Paul sees him, and he goes from persecutor to preacher. Oh, if we would just see the resurrection with fresh eyes, it would give us hope. Look at verse 11. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had, been, had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You were to say his disciples came during the night and stole them away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. So, while the women are running to tell everybody that Jesus is alive, the establishment is working to cover it up. First, you have the soldiers. They had two jobs to do. One, make sure the Roman seal isn't broke by someone pushing open the stone from the tomb. Two, make sure Jesus' body stays in the tomb. No fault of their own, they fail of both. For a Roman soldier, failure is punishable by death. Now notice they don't go to Pilate, the one who commissioned them. Instead, they go to the religious leaders. Why? Well, because they have a problem too. If the body's gone, who's to say that Jesus didn't raise from the grave? So the religious leaders come up with a story. 
to tell. The disciples came at night, broke the seal, opened the grave, and stole the body while the soldiers slept. But there's a problem with that. Sleeping on duty is punishable by death. <laughs> the elders assure them if Pilate finds out, they'll be willing to step up and save them. And then they give the soldiers a large sum of money to keep them quiet about what really happened. And this is the story that the religious leaders begin to spread. Now, we have to be thankful for the religious leaders. Because of their request to ensure the body of Jesus stay in that grave, the soldiers, the seal, we now have more evidence that Jesus raised from the dead. What else could have happened? We need to see this with fresh eyes. Let it fill us with hope. Right now, we're living in crazy times. We have reason to be discouraged, depressed. Many are afraid. Some are fearful of getting sick or even worse. If you're included in that group or if you're not included in that group, I wanna encourage you to look to Jesus' resurrection. It changes everything because Jesus changes everything. By believing and trusting our lives to him, by receiving what he's done for us, we're given strength. We're given hope. Strength to overcome sin, death, hell itself, and hope, a certainty of good to come. But we have to receive it. We have to see it with fresh eyes and accept the truth. Now, he's risen. He's risen indeed. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we live in a broken, very scary world, but you haven't left it that way. You have brought us hope. In the person of Jesus, we have hope. His life, his death, his resurrection, it secures hope for an uncertain time. Lord, it's good news we all need. Changed the disciples' lives. It changed 500 who saw you all at once. It changed the Apostle Paul's life. And Lord, may it change ours. If you're here today and you're watching, and you've never opened your heart and life and trusted in Jesus, and you want to, then pray with me right now. If you're willing, pray with me. Just pray this. Jesus, forgive me. I know I've sinned. I believe that through you and what you did for me, I can be forgiven. I trust you with my life. Help me to live and to share your hope. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that last prayer with me, I really want you to message us right here on Facebook. Let us know. If you're willing, we want to connect with you. We hope you have a great Easter. We have every reason for hope because Jesus has risen from the dead. God bless you all. Have a great week.